0: We're continuing where we left off. It is July nineteenth, 2020. We're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer.
1: Thought of the week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. By abolishing the law of commandment, express their ordinance that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two to make him Thus, Since we are one in Christ, the challenge for us is to learn how to believe in God's reality. Our believing must be manifested in the trust that respects the Father's plans, Enough to look past our differences to so his new reality. It is to take our eyes off what the world sees and focus on what is not seen. The Father does not need our plans to make his plan come to pass. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If we do not know what God's plan is, we certainly cannot help him accomplish it. Trust is what we need. Dependence and submission is the way we acknowledge his authority and wisdom. How can the two be one by the work of God? Our behavior does not make us one in Christ. God did it through the baptism of the Spirit. We what we eventually think about what God did cannot change what he did. It can only show respect Love, obedience, and submission to it. Or, I think it can show the opposite disrespect, contempt, and rebellion towards the Father's plan. It is not surprising to see hatred, division, racism, and discrimination in the world. However, in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. To the extent we see such behavior in the church, it is not a reflection in, on Christ. It is, it is a reflection on our ignorance or immaturity or our arrogance, some subordinate subordinates in refusing to learn the new way. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. And that is the thought of the week. So now we have a, big to the stone. it's the prayer to the wife. Thank you very much, Dave.
2: Um, I just want to remind reminded of something. I want to offer a little commentary on that, that, uh, you know, with, with the work that we have available to us as we are in Christ and baptized by the Spirit. Um, we have given a given us a tremendous privilege um but how did we get there to begin with and in, in a way is so simple it's just, uh, it's almost unbelievable and i think a lot of people do not believe it because it's so simple but it's simply through faith in christ trusting and relying on him for our soul's salvation is what um is what god is asking for Way for us to be saved and he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth so let me go ahead and offer the prayer at this time and i will be keeping the church and our extended families our immediate families all in prayer are there any special requests in addition to that
0: i'll pray for the church universal as well as our local church leaders.
1: and word is truth
2: Absolute. Any others? All right. Let us bow our heads before God. Dear Father in heaven and Father in us, the Spirit you have given us allows us to see deeply into what your thoughts are. At one time, your thoughts were not our thoughts, but through the Spirit you have revealed yourself intimately. And we come to you intimately, in person, by person, to ask you um, for, for favors and blessings upon us. We ask that you would bless and protect the Word of the Truth Church and, and keep our minds and, and hearts guarded in Christ's Jesus. We ask you to also protect the church universal as well, the entire body of Christ around the world. Wherever they may be, so that we turn to you in unison, eager to seek the unity of this spirit in the bond of peace. We ask for prayer for our immediate and extended families in ways that you know, you know us all. What our needs are, and what would be effective as far as persuasion um, toward the truth, or what each person needs in their in their physical needs in this world. And even along those lines, I ask for protection and guidance among the, the age in which we live in, which, where so many things are um, cramming for attention. The coronavirus and all of the protests and, uh, protests and going on in the world political agenda. Let us put those things into proper perspective and let us be respectful for each other's health and well-being. And at the same time, let us not get so wrapped up in them that we lose sight of you and the vision that you have given us, which is to be your son's in glory forever. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Dwight and uh, Dave. Appreciate that. We are going to continue with, uh, if you have notes. You should have uh, our scripture before us. And actually, we just tried to take off uh, two scriptures today. They go 14, uh, 25, and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost has been a fulfilled prophecy. We are no longer waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. We should be leaning uh, I'm sorry, we should be learning of all the marvelous things his coming has brought brought us. It was a special day for the church and the introduction of the new dispensation. Now, we should be leaning forward to see what all of this means. We should now be seeking to understand God's purposes in this age. As our Lord said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. We should be pursuing that much more so that we can walk in this new purpose. So we have come a long way in John chapter 14, and I do see the light at the end of the tunnel of John chapter 14. Before you know it, we'll be talking about John 15. And it's only been, what? I don't know, seven, eight months maybe so far. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. I'd say we're making good progress. So let's dig in. We have uh, broken this up into three phrases. Let's see if we can cover these three. So the first thought is all this. So far, Jesus is noting that he revealed much for the disciples to consider. In other words, he has said a lot, right? And he has, if you look at all that he has said, and when he says all this, he could be not only just talking about all the things that he said to, to give them comfort, because they were truly discouraged, but he could be talking about the, the bomb that he just dropped on them, <laughs> which is from t- John fourteen twenty through 23, and even into 24, but those things he just said, wow, uh, very detailed. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Which brings about Judas's question, how is it you're going to work that out, and why is, is that the case? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So those that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot to consider theologically, practically. Like uh, they got to wait. What expectation did they have of the Holy Spirit? Uh, can you imagine all this is spoken about him and then you are sitting there waiting for this time to come? See, I don't think he said, hey, wait until Pentecost. Now, and, then, and then they had to calculate. Let's see, it's going to be how many days before Pentecost. He didn't say it was Pentecost. He just said when the Holy Spirit comes. He happened to come on Pentecost. So the disciples didn't have a frame of reference until we get to Acts. And Jesus says, wait here until the Spirit comes. And that was after 40 days. So they had to wait 10 more days. Uh, and but Jesus told them it wouldn't wouldn't be long, not many days from now, he said that. So that kind of zeroed in on the, how long they had to wait. Wouldn't be long. Next thought: by many of the things Jesus told the disciples, many of these things they were unbelievable, and just let's see if we can wrap our arms around what was said and first corinthians 2 9 just says what eye has not seen ear has not heard neither has it entered into the heart of man these were the things that the spirit would reveal and they are said to be the deep things of god and so the disciples it was things these were things that were totally outside of their world of understanding so uh, when Jesus says all this all this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you you know he's letting them know you know I, I said it yes I did I told you these things and I know they're beyond the scope of what your theology uh, can can teach and as we know the mystery is not revealed and Ages past and generations, it was hidden from them, so they would not have known this information. But God is moving in this direction. Point C spoken while still with you, right? And this is all this I have spoken while still with you. There were many things said, and there is a distinct sequence of events the disciples needed to keep in order. They needed to keep the the proper sequence right don't get mixed up by all the things i've been telling you so we know in our timeline that jesus when he says i'm going away he isn't talking about just i'm just going to the other side of the river or something he says i'm going away i'm leaving i'm going to die and he's going to the father's house so he's when he said he's going away they understood him to, be, to mean that he's going to die. He's going to leave, and that's why they were upset. When not talking about just going away to a foreign land or something. So, this is, when he says, I'm speaking these things with you now, that, so that he's trying to tell them, get the sequence in order. For him to go away, there was the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. But remember, he ascended right from the Mount of Olives, right there in Acts chapter 1, where we were reading. So, then, after the ascension, uh, that's what he's talking about. When, he's, when he leaves, that's what he means by going away. So, it's, it's not like he's getting ready to leave in the next chapter. There are things that have to happen before he goes away, and before the Holy Spirit comes back to them. So... Uh, yeah so so he's just given a sequential order to the things that happened. so let's continue um, so w- what that means to me is a quick review. That's how I should if if he's saying these things, maybe we should uh, have a quick review of what was said all this all this I have spoken to you. let's just go over what he went over. Now, of course, we could go all the way back to chapter 12, because he started really then. But we'll start at verse 33 and 13. Jesus is going away. This is when he first announced, I'm going away to the disciples um, in John. And the disciples are upset and troubled if we look at the preceding verses right after he said it. Even though Jesus said, Love one another by this show all men know that you Right? they didn't peter focused right in what do you mean you're going away and i'll come with you and not only that i'll die for you i'm willing to lay down my life for you i'm not just going to let this go by the disciples were troubled they were upset at what jesus said so then we continue jesus asks he does ask uh them to believe in him the way they believe in God. So that's important in 14.1. Uh, I, I would say that's very important. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's a lot to say, that you ought to believe in my words in the same way you believe in God's words. And you know, interesting enough, he proved <laughs> as he went through this that it was God in him reconciling the world to himself. It was the father who was already in Christ who was speaking the words. In fact, that's where we got in verse uh, 24 Anyone uh, or 23. Anyone who loves, we, loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And will come to them and make their home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So when he says all this I have spoken while still with you. Was the Father's teaching. For sure. So for them they needed to believe the words of Jesus as they were the words of the Father. And, and then, 14, uh, Jesus tells them again about where he is going and what he is going to do at the Father's house and that he will take them there too. All that in verses 2 through 4. my father's house has many rooms if that were not so would i have told you that i am going there to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where i am so you know the way to the place where i am going so two to four he's very clear about what happens he's going away he tells them what he's going to do when he's away. He says he's going to his father's house. There's many rooms there. uh, But he's going to prepare a special place for them. And then he's going to come. And he's going to take them. And he's going to take them back to the place. uh, Take you to be with me where I am. So pretty clear to me that that's what he's referring to. But he goes on. Uh, and let's see verses t- to thomas's question thomas's question and jesus's answer verses five and six right we get where thomas asked the question uh, how we don't know where you're going how can we know the way jesus answered i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so, then we continue. All of this was we we covered all this. I'm not going to go over everything. I'm just giving a quick review. I think Jesus is kind of signaling this this point in time for review. And then um, verses, uh, let's see what else we got. Revealing again the Father. I, you know, I keep saying again here is because I believe. These are things that Jesus had already covered with them, And that's why he started out, you got to believe what I'm saying. The words I'm saying to you are the words of the Father. Trust me. So he again reveals the Father, verses 7 and 8. And then Jesus pleads for them to believe in mutual possession, verses 10 and 11. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. And then in verse 11, believe me when I tell you, uh, when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So there's quite a lot of evidence for the Father revealing himself in Jesus. And then Jesus pleads for them, to believe in a mutual possession we just covered the disciples will have mutual possession now in verses 15 through 19 uh wait a minute now here here verses 12 through 14 all right it all hinges on the spirit's coming right. so What I wanted to read is verses... Oh, yeah, verses 12 through 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So those verses... Uh, even though we haven't got to verse twenty, he's basically saying that we're going to have the same thing that he has now. Uh, whoever believes in me will do, uh, will do the works. Is a reference to when the Spirit comes. It's not talking about now. He's talking about when the Spirit comes. Will do the works I have been doing. Well, what is that? That is. Just like the Father was in me and he was teaching and so forth. It will be Christ in them manifesting like the Father was. And they will do even greater works than these because he's headed to the Father. He's going to be able to uh, send the Spirit and the Spirit would glorify the mind of Christ. So uh, all of that is coming for uh, the disciples at Pentecost, which they weren't fully aware of, but they just knew the Spirit was coming at this point. And then we have uh, right? it was all hinging on the Spirit's coming, verses 15 through 19. If you love me, keep my command- you will keep my commandments. We, we talked about love extensively. How it is the proper motivation for us to be obedient to God. Now, God will He's saying we should be obedient, right? That's one thing, but love is another level of obedience so you you might just say I'm obedient that means I comply with what God wants me to be or do but if I love it that means I not only do I comply but I agree I'm, I personally am behind doing what is right because it is right because I love it, it says I love the father's plan so those are things that um, we we find, and then he 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 tells us the spirit of truth is coming. The world cannot accept him; it doesn't know him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and will be in with you. he will be in you, will be in you, is the word. Uh, and also, there's a big the scripture that says he will be with you forever. Uh, those are key scriptures. If he will be with us forever there will be a new makeup of who we are as believers. Uh, And the Holy Spirit is a part of it. And not only all the ministries, those five ministries, the baptism, the filling, the indwelling, the sealing and gifts of the Spirit will be part of our experience forever. Uh, That is now how we are identified with the person of Christ. Uh, The baptism is key in all of that. Which is the game changer for how we are now taken out of Adam and now we are new creations in Christ. So, moving forward, on that day, right, uh, verses 20 through 21, so we have Judas' question in that and answer, and uh, this is profound. Uh, 20 and 21 are game changer scriptures that help us to know for sure that the disciples on that day would have these things. Now, of course, there was the command, if you love me, right? If you are on board with what I've been teaching, and obviously what he's been teaching is what the Father was teaching through Christ. And they would have the assurance of what Jesus had been trying to tell them the whole time. Uh, So... So this is, um, this is verse 20 and 21, and also we have Judas' question. And then where we are, 22 to 24, it's a review and a reminder of the pivotal coming of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's, it's pivotal. When I say pivotal, it means that it, it is a change. Uh, and, and We say pivotal change, but it's really a dispensational change, as well as the new ministry of the Spirit. That is for every believer in Christ. And then, um, this is where we are now, where it talks about um, all, all this I have spoken to you while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So, just a quick review of where we came from in those seven or eight months that we've uh, taking it phrase by phrase. We're going to move on to the second phrase here, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So the first thought is, while Jesus is still comforting the disciples, he reminds them that the Holy Spirit has not come in the manner spoken of. Right? Um, if We look at John uh, 14, Uh, 16 it says I will ask the father he will give you another advocate and he to help you and be with you forever and then verse 28 says "Uh, you heard me say that I am going away I am and I am coming back to you if you loved me you would be glad that I am going to the father for the father is greater than I. So he's just pinpointing where he is. I said this while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, right? These are scriptures that Jesus is basically reminding the disciples of what he already said about the Holy Spirit. It must be important for him to continue mentioning it with this expectation. Point B, sending the Holy Spirit in Christ's name I could, so what is that about? When he, says, when he says, send it in the Holy Spirit, I will send it in my name. Uh, it is the glorified Christ that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. So it's not necessarily just about Jesus the carpenter. It is not that we can't read about Jesus the carpenter. But what we learn in the church by means of the Spirit is about the glorified. Christ, right? what He reveals to us—heavenly things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, and we are learning the mind of Christ, but not just the mind of Christ, but the glorified Christ. So, just to make that point, so Jesus speaks of this time frequently, and we could go through these scriptures. Um, we'll go through a few. We'll start in John twelve twenty three. So, I'm going to go fast. You may not be able to keep up with me. 12.23, if so, that's good. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So, when he says the hour has come, that means the time has come. He's not talking about a literal literal 24-hour period. Because if you look at, it was going to take more than a 24-hour period for the Son of Man to be glorified. Remember, it talked about his death burial resurrection that's already 3 days <laughs> and that's from this time that he's saying in John chapter 12 and then ascension right when he ascends then he's glorified by the father and then the father sends the holy spirit the holy spirit as i said teaches us about a glorified christ he reveals to us remember christ says he will take from what is mine and he will make it known to you. This is in John 16. He will bring glory to me and all that, right? So that's the first scripture. And then there's, there's John thirteen thirty-one. Now we already read thirty-three, where, remember, Jesus told him he was going away. So thirteen thirty-one, so when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the and who's gone? Judas, who he had taken the bread and he left. Jesus says now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified with him if God is glorified in him God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once so then Jesus begins this discourse so we're talking about a Christ who has completed the work Christ is speaking as I would say futuristically Just like he's speaking in John 17, where he says, I have completed the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So he's speaking futuristically. So we should understand that. How he is already seeing past the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and now the session. So then there's um, uh, 14 Twelve and thirteen, which uh, I think we we covered. Twelve and thirteen. Very. Anyone who believes in me will do the works I have been doing, right? Uh, and even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And this is what he's talking about in terms of him being glorified. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, right? So that that's another passage of. Christ speaking about that time when all of these things have been accomplished. And then 17, 1, 17, here it is. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Remember, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Uh, And then, uh, futuristically, again, in 17 and then uh, verses 4 and 5 I think I quoted him I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have gave me to do you gave me to do now father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began so he's speaking again futuristically he's not in heaven he didn't even go to the cross and in 18, he says, okay, come now, let's leave, let's go. We, you know, he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane at that point. So but how is he speaking? As though all of these things were already accomplished. And then verses 10 and 22. Verse 10 says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. And then verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. We we may have to take a little more time. And then verse 24, uh, with the glory here. And how the glory is used. Love is representative of the motivation to fulfill the Father's plan. Glory is the, the anticipation and the realization of the fulfillment of that plan. So Christ is speaking as though these things already happen. He sees these things happen already. So that's, we're going to get into that more, but uh, just to note, that's how we ought to see the the distinction here of glory and love. Glory is the completed plan, and 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 love is the motivation. All right, so there's a lot there. He speaks of this frequently, you know, and so it's good for us to note it. Point D, a new dispensation dawns. As the new dispensation dawns, the disciples are now learning of heavenly things and the mind of the glorified Christ. And you know 1 Corinthians 2.16 is another one of those passages I'm going to quickly turn to, which we've read in great detail. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? So the answer to this has been always no. And this is a quote from Isaiah, by the way. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? In other words, when you go back to Isaiah, you, you, what you can find is, Isaiah is postulating uh, back and forth with God, or God is saying who could be the Lord's counselor in his plan. Is there anybody who is the Lord's counselor? Who has known or been able to counsel with the Lord in terms of his eternal plan? And the answer is no one could possibly do that. Only God knows what what his plans are and what he plans to do. But then we have contrast. And it says, but we have the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ is the understanding that we have for God's eternal purpose. It's found in the mind of Christ. That's the glorified Christ. When the Holy Spirit makes known to us what Christ, the things of Christ, all things that that Christ has came from the Father, and He makes it known to us. So we could back up the whole First Corinthians two really speak to this. We already said nine, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. Ten says that these things are revealed by to us by the spirit and it's freely given to us so this is part of the ministry of the spirit in this new dispensation it's fantastic Uh, it, it is absolutely fantastic so point number three let's move in but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said, I have said to you. So our posture, first thing, since we have this, uh, our posture should be, in other words, if we read the scripture, what should we be thinking? Since it is the spirit of truth, he's coming, we should be ready. That should be our posture. Be ready to be taught the much more. Be ready to be led or guided into all truth. And notice in that there's no reference to emotion. It's interesting. It's not to say there is no emotion in all of this, but there's no reference to it. So if a person says, get ready to be emotional, well, that'd be one thing. But he said, get ready to hear truth, all truth. So that's, If you think about it, right? I'm only thinking about how people respond to Pentecost and what the the coming of the Holy Spirit has been. And I've heard a lot of people telling, uh, you know, their experience about the Holy Spirit and what the whole. Well, when it comes to experience, we have to distrust ourselves and trust the Word of God always. If the Word of God contradicts our experience. Our experience is wrong and the word of God is right. You know, I didn't come up with that, but that is certainly a true statement. If if God's word contradicts our experience, well, it's gonna do that even in salvation, right? We are dead in our transgressions and sins, right? The whole the Bible comes along and tells us we need salvation. We're lost. We not, might not believe that. We might believe that we are fine. But God comes along, contradicts our experience, and says, No, you're lost. And you need a Savior. So we have to always think in terms, God is wiser than we are. He knows what he wants, uh, what truth is, reality, and what he needs from us. Right? What is, should be our response. So I'm just saying, when you think about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, this is it. He's the Spirit of truth. We should expect that the Holy Spirit is coming to teach us. Right? That we're ready, We should be ready for teaching. That's what it should be. And the much more. Jesus said he had much more to tell us. More than we can now bear. Well, we should be on the edge of our seats waiting to hear what that much more is so that we can be led or guided into all truth. I think it's important. It's not something that we should just read and just pass this verse by. This verse sets the tone for the mystery, which Paul says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you. That is the mystery Made known to me by revelation. As you keep reading, you'll understand my insight into the mystery, which was not made known to men of other generations and of other in the old. Basically, in the Old Testament, it was not made known. And I made this point earlier, or was it last week, where instead of trying to derive the wisdom of God in this new age, People are, have turned their Bibles to Ezekiel and Daniel and, and Exodus and all these other passages where our life and the wisdom, which is destined for our glory before time began, is not found in those pages. It's not there. Yet people are dwelling on those passages as though the deep things of God are found there. I, things that eyes have not seen. Ear, we should be on the edge of our seat trying to understand what those things are, and yet people are open your Bible to Daniel, open your Bible to Numbers, open your Bible to Genesis, open where God hid those things from those people. Why? Because it did not pertain to them. These things are for our glory. This wisdom is for our glory. It was destined before time began. That's what we should be paying attention to. But yet, <laughs> what does the world do? And, and even the church, they focus on things that do not pertain to us. So before, like I said, Jesus told us, here it is, it's coming. This new dispensation dawns. So we need to be on the edge of our seats as well point b let's keep going all things right he will teach you all things this is the holy spirit right whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and this all things is related to our new role and you might say well why how is it that you have a new role well, Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we have a new role. And we're identified with the person of Christ. It's not just so that we could be free from our sin nature. That's the negative part about it. Like like I always used to teach okay, if you baptism you have negatives and pluses. The negatives, he takes away the sin nature. We are no longer in Adam anymore. He didn't just take away the sin nature. He took away Adam. We're no longer in the first Adam. And he's united us to the person of Christ. And we are now created in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ. A new creation. So with that new creation comes the new role. So the first thing is a new creation. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have lost their power. New things have come. And then there's the Ephesians 2.15 passage, which I hinted at in the Thought of the Week, which says, um, uh, By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new, uh, NIV has humanity. It should just be one new man out of the two. The two, what are the two? Jews and Gentiles. Or the two designations for humanity on earth, or man. Thus making peace. Yeah. One new man. So we're one in Christ. We're identified with him. So, the all things, it's related to our new role, right? A new creation has a new purpose. So, if we are new, we are, uh, God has created us one new man. We're not Jews. We're not Gentiles. Whatever we were in Adam, we are no longer in Christ. So, we can't call ourselves those things, Jews, Gentiles, right? Um, So... We have a new purpose as well. And so let's look at that new purpose. So John, I'm going to look at some of these passages. I'm going to go quickly again. John 13 and 3 says, um, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So interesting uh what jesus already understood and knew he knew what his mission was and he knew what his role was when so it'd be one thing if he said oh jesus's role is to come come and pay for the sins of the world right that's what he's here to do to die but no there's more to what jesus's role was and he knew that he had put all things under his power and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So, and he got up, and he. This is when um, he began to wash the disciples' feet. He was going to talk about unity for the disciples. So he, again, this is another scripture that talks about the role of Jesus, being all things put under him. Right, all things, all that belongs to the Father is mine. What are we talking about? We're talking about the role of the Son. Jesus was the original Son, and all the things that the Father had belonged to him. This is the uh, turn where we're we're thinking about adoption, right? How Christ is the Son who receives all power. Like he says at the end of Matthew, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What do you mean given to him? The Father... Using Roman-style adoption has given all power and all authority under one head, and that is the head of Christ. So, now the fact is that we are identified with that one person so that his role now becomes our role. So let's keep reading. So there's John 13, 31, and 32. That's right there where we are, 31... Uh, when he was gone, I think we read this already, 31, about Christ being glorified and the Son and so forth. We will skip through that one, since we already read that one. So, um, wait a minute, did we? Oh, I'm sorry, 1426, that's where we want. 1426, we're referring to all things. Fourteen twenty six says, but the this is the scripture we're in. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The reason why I just threw that in there is because what do we mean by He will teach us all things? That's we said it was our role, but it's more than that. When we think about, is He going to teach us Old Testament prophecies and things like that? Well, that's all things too, right? But he goes beyond that. Because remember, the information that was in the Old Testament is revelation from God. But the information that is given to us in this mystery is not found in the Old Testament. It obviously does augment what was in the Old Testament. But it was not found there. So when we read 1426, we know that the, all things is Related to things that are not just Old Testament information, not just anything, but it is a very specific thing to our role. All right, So let's keep going. And these are scriptures you probably would relate to that. Romans 8, 28, which is a very common scripture. We know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, right? So all things there, people would not associate with all creation, the role of the creator over over his creation. We would associate all things with all things like about our lives. You know, he works together all things about us, right? And the common phrase is like, People think, oh, you know, uh, I was on my way to church, and uh, all of a sudden I had a flat, and then I was like, oh, what I was going to do? What am I going to do? I don't have uh, a spare, and then all of a sudden the AAA guy just happened to be behind me. He stops and he changes the tire, and see, God works all things for the good, right? So we we kind of personalize this all things, but it's really not is really referring to the fact of what God does. He's working out this plan, which is the Father's plan, which has to do with all things. And if we look at verse 32, it bears it out as well. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. So now we are given all things in him with him along with him. So that is the plan. Christ says all things have been given to me by my Father. What does he mean by that? He's talking about this plan, the Father's eternal purpose that all things will be given to Christ and we are adopted into Christ, right? Right? We are adopted sons by the Father. We are also sons But we are patterned, our sonship is not just, well, Christ is the son, now we are sons on our own standing. No, we are sons according to the pattern of Christ, which it says right here. um, That for those God foreknew, this is verse 29, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So Christ is like, you know, you ever see like a cookie cutter and a cookie, the pattern is Christ. And so he's just going through and stamping out many sons, but we all are going to look like Christ. And once we're baked, that is. So we don't, we're not sons outside of Christ. We are one with him. We are just like he is. We are one with him in the same relationship, just like uh, no man ever, we, we talked about last week, no man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, just like Christ does the church. We are one with Christ. That's the thought there. So, so then there's 1 Corinthians 2.10, which we probably read, 1 Corinthians 2.10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches what? All things. There's this all things again. Now, I don't want you to just look at any all things that you find in the Bible, because it could be talking about other things. <laughs> so, you want to make sure that it is related to the eternal purpose that we have. The role that we have as those who are sons in Christ. So, so the Spirit searches all things, even... What are these all things related to? The deep things of God. Yeah. So this is another reference to our role, what we will have uh, in, in, as those who are in Christ. And then there's 15. Uh, verse 15 says, the person with the Spirit. Remember, we did the person without the Spirit. That means without the benefit of the Spirit's teaching, right? Which is searching all things, even the deep things of God, without a person who, who does not have that, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. But then we go to the person who, with the Spirit, who in other words, he has the benefit of the Spirit teaching all things. He's able to make judgments, look at this, about all things, about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Wow. Well, if you're going to subject him to merely human judgments, well, what are you going to subject him to? Things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and, and have not entered into the heart of human beings. So now we're talking about all things. The person with the benefit of the Spirit can think divine thoughts can think about has the capacity to think about the all things that happen to be a part of the role that we now play. So just like it says the spirit searches all things, well the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. So we now have the capability of the spirit to be able to to judge all things, just like the Spirit does. The Spirit is now part of who we are. So, so in verse ten, it's the Spirit, right? In verse four, fifteen, it's us being able to do the same things with the capabilities of the Spirit. Moving forward. Um, Three nine, right? We I think. So where are we? Let me just. Note uh, 1015 321 First 1 Corinthians, we're still in First Corinthians 3:21. So uh, this is where they were arguing about who's the best Paul Apollo's who? right So he says, he sums it up, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. And then here it is, all things are yours. What do you mean all things? It's, that's our role. It's our destiny. All things, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. All things, it's, it's another way to talk about what our uh, dominion is going to be in the eternal state over all things, right? So then... Uh, let's continue on. Ephesians uh, let's see. First Corinthians two, ten to fifteen, three twenty-one. Ephesians one ten and twenty-two. Let's look at Ephesians. Um, quickly. Ephesians one ten. It says, well, we gotta read nine he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things here again in heaven and on earth under christ so so there you have this all things so obviously all things is equal to or relates to all creation. That's what it relates to. All things is all creation. And then verse 22 says, "And God placed all things under his feet, Christ, that is." And appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So not only so the all things is related to all creation, but Christ is also head over the church. He is the authority in the body of Christ, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Colossians 1. Let's move forward. Colossians 1 says, uh, verse, well, we should read verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All creation. For in him all things were created. So here, this is where we get to all things. And if we're united to the Creator, then what we realize, and we'll get to it in these verses, hold on. For, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven. What are all things? Here's a description of them. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or, or rulers authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things notice Christ is not a part of all things and in him all things hold together or consist or are held together so all things do not just be all things need their Creator in order to exist If you look at all things as a wheel with all the spokes, Christ is that hub of the wheel. And he is before all things. And remember, all things were created by him. Not one thing was made that has been made that he didn't make. So so the, the creation needs its creator. So all things... We will continue to to be a part of the rulership over all things. All things were created by him and for him. So the creation needs us from that standpoint. We, we also know Romans 8, creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. It's, there it is again, which is not in the scripture here. And then, 1 Timothy 4.8, 1 Timothy, we'll continue, we're almost done with this, a little bit more, 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical, this is one I like, for physical training is of some value, you should exercise, this is what this is saying, it, it does, uh, you know, you, you exercise, it is a good thing, but, Godliness has value for, here it is, look at this, all things, holding promise for both the present life, now, and the life to come, our eternal state, right, so then there is that all things phrase again, those two words which represent our role in creation, what we are going to do this also says a lot about what we will be doing in the eternal state. There's more to to what we'll be doing but this is one part of our role as sons. All right? And then there's Hebrews 1 2 and 3. Let's read it really quick. Hebrews 1 It says and well 1-1, one, one. in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. There it is. Christ has inherited all things. He's an heir. He's inher- As a Son, he is, has an inheritance of the Father. What is that? All things. And through whom? Also, he made the universe, right? So, Christ is the one who made the universe, but the Father authorized it as part of his plan. I'm hoping you see that. That's an important phrase for us to see the agency of Christ in the creation of all things. There was a plan that came from the Father. All right. So, Point C, (laughs) we're moving on. We are united to the Son. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's John 1, 3. That, That is our identification with who Christ is. We also identify with that. We are united. We are one with him. Point D. The disciples will be reminded of the teachings of Jesus by the Holy Spirit now this is r- the rest of the phrase will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you so they will be reminded of the teachings of Jesus by the Holy Spirit so there's a few scriptures that relate that so John 13:19 I'm going back to John I know I'm killing you guys with scriptures today. John thirteen and nineteen. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I am. Who you will you will believe that I am who I am is actually the way it's said. Yeah. So you will believe that. And then for there's just these scriptures that pan out that later yeah, you know, the disciples will come to the knowledge of these things, right? They will be able to connect the dots, as it were. But they're not connecting the dots on their own. We know it's the Spirit who does this, who is able to bring these things and, and pres- enlighten them about these things that they were taught. But they never connected the dots to. John fourteen twenty nine is the next verse. Fourteen twenty-nine says, "I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe." Right? So, isn't this to say they weren't believing it now? Right? It was hard for them to believe. Yeah, that goes back to the whole thrust of what I was saying earlier in verses ten and ten and eleven, or or Jesus, don't you believe? Or believe me when I say, yeah, because they had a tough time with this theology it was not according to what they would expect and then there's 16 John 16 look at 4 I have told you this so that when their time comes uh, when their time comes you will remember what I warned you about them I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you so he is telling them now and he goes through a lot of this in John chapter 16 right? so later right when the spirit of truth comes and when these things start happening to them they are able to connect the dots how, how, is it, how are they going to do it? because the spirit will remind them of these things it won't be, well I'm so smart I figured it out, I connected the dots no, the spirit Reminds them of everything he said to them. So the three and a half years of teaching that the disciples received under Christ. Some of that teaching was to present Christ as the Messiah to Israel. But the other side of that was Christ presenting the church age to them. Even in Matthew he says, on this rock I will build My church. So he is preparing the disciples not only for his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, session, and sending the Holy Spirit back to the earth. So, point um, point E this is a part of the filling of the Spirit's enlightening and teaching ministry to us. So we have to remember that. We must acknowledge what the Spirit's enhancements are to us. And why do I put Romans 3, 9 through 18? It's because everything we have comes from God, the Holy Spirit. I will also read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you wanted to add to your notes. Verse, uh, let's see, where is it? There it is. Here, verse seven. For who makes you different from anyone else? And this phrase right here, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? That is the thought. We need some humility here. Everything we have comes by means of the Spirit. Where did God find us? We were dead in our transgressions and sins. There is none who do good, not even one. We were all uh, like open graves, like vipers is on our lips. I mean, he goes through and he says, ruin and misery mark our ways and the way of peace we do not know. There was no fear of God before us. This is where God found us. And for us to now think of ourselves as some accomplished spiritual geniuses, everything we have, God has built into us. We should remember that thought. That's how we ought to think about it. He says it right here. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the spirit was there trying to teach him then, but for this information, they didn't have the capacity. That's why he says, I have much more to tell you more than you now can bear. You can't handle it. You won't be able to hold it. But when the spirit comes, he will then give it to you, right? He will guide you into all truth. So, point F. We're going to close I know I'm after I'm really moving past my time, but I wanted to finish it. The spirit, this is just a one for reflection, point F. The spirit of truth is the perfect teacher. And we can know that, right? He's God, God, the Holy Spirit. And if his roles are going to be to teach us, man, he's going to do a good job at it. How good are we at being disciples? So if there is any problem with the Holy Spirit, it's not that he doesn't know um, uh, truth. He knows what he has to teach. If there's any problem with him leading and guiding us, it's going to be us. We're going to be the ones who have the problem, not God the Holy Spirit. Just know that God the Holy Spirit is the perfect teacher. He can do exactly what it says about him here. And it's going to, if there's any failure, it's going to be us. But I trust that we're all here because we want to succeed we want the holy spirit to lead and guide us into all truth let's bow our heads as we close we'll continue with the next verse but i believe it's verse 27 next week let's bow our heads thank you father thank you for this the privilege not only that you called us to be in christ before the creation of the world but that you have adopted us into this new role where we are identified with Jesus Christ who is not only uh, the last Adam but he is the Lord from heaven we thank you for this privilege and the honor and we thank you for our spiritual growth for all of it. it has to do with us just saying yes and you building us up in Christ We thank you for those who are on this call we pray for believers in this age, wherever they may be found, that all of us may come to unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure and stature of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen.